You're listening to Thinker's What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Dan Kugler from Titan Business Consulting. Uh, they are a business consultant focusing on government contracting and business development. Dan, welcome to the What Works podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So you are a fresh business, uh, a couple months out of the gate. Um, gaining a lot of momentum. We, I think we just had you on the 1 million cups, uh, morning just the other day, you did a fantastic job there. Uh, and for our listeners, you can view that video online at any point in time on, on the, the thinker ventures website, or you can go to Dan's Facebook page, I'm sure. And tell us about Titan business consulting. What specifically do you do and, and, and how'd you get started? So we're a consulting firm. I say we, and it's mostly me at this point, but we have, plans for expansion. We focus on government contracting, how to get government contracts, how to get into government contracts, whether you should get government contra- into government contracting. And uh, once you're there, you know, I try to be the solution to problems. I try to be have the knowledge that someone would need when questions come up because there's a tremendous things amount of things you need to know. Um, we do business development, how to apply contracts to turn uh, individual sales into repeating or residual sales, um, different markets that someone might break into or similar products that they may offer to the same market that they're already in. Um, and like every other business consultant, we do general paperwork, uh, filing, f- taxes, accounting, uh, just about anything you need. Cool. That's an interesting expertise. How did you develop it? So growing up from a young age, I knew I wanted to own my own business and do something. And I've had a thousand ideas go through my head and never really followed through because I was, you know, too young and distracted and different, different things. Uh, After a while, I was having trouble finding a way to get into school or get out of the minimum wage part-time job world so i decided to join the military i got a perfect score on the asvab and had no idea what i wanted to do so i looked at the the list and i just listed the top the the five hardest jobs to get into not knowing what any of them were (laughs) um so they told me we pick contracting for you and i said okay that sounds great i um I made it all the way through basic without actually knowing what I was going to be doing. (laughs) When I got to tech school, I got a description. I said, oh, that sounds like it's going to be fun. Um, And then I ended up taking to it so well in tech school, they thought the the teacher took me aside. He said, I think you're a plant. I think you're from IG, and I think you're here to, to, to check on the teachers. And I said, I, I can't, I can't confirm or deny that. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but um, so ever since then, it took off, and I, I, I loved it so much. And I continued. And when the time was right, I moved into doing it for myself. Wow. So you, you, so the ASVAB. For those of us who are who are newbies to that world, tell us what's the ASVAB. So the ASVAB is the test they give you when you want to get into the military. There's a standardized test, um, just like the ones you take in school. You know, it's mathematics, English, stuff like that, and it gives you a score. And if you don't like your score, you can take it again. But um, but perfect's pretty good, so you didn't have to do that, right? The the <laughs> definitely don't take it again. The the. Test score determines what jobs you're eligible for, and all the branches have a different number associated with different jobs. They have a minimum to get in. Um, 
so it's sort of a clearing house sort of test to determine you have the smarts to get into exactly. uh, the particular job. Okay, so they weeded you out, and then they said, hey, whatever whatever you want to do, just kind of go, go ahead and do it. Yes, I kind of th- thought that the ASVAB would limit me a little bit more, and yeah. so my I thought that my options were going to be smaller. So ultimately they said, anything you want to do, we'll, we'll put you right there. And I said, <laughs> I have, I have no, no clue. So why did you tell me, why did, why did you decide, you know, look, let's look at the hardest jobs? I assumed that more difficult meant more money or more marketability. My, my main goal for joining the military was to make sure I had a job after the military. I, I wanted to start a family and have a reliable source of income long term and never have to worry about the day to day whether or not I was going to have a job anymore. And I figured the more difficult things would be more employable. Okay. And and so you went into contracting in the military? I did, yep. In the Air Force. Okay. So tell us about that side of the tell tell us about that side of the world of, of contracting. What what did you do? So I got sent to Schriever Air Force Base, which is in Colorado Springs. They're a space base. They operate all of the GPS satellites for all of America. Wow, that's cool. And um, a joke I like to say uh, when people ask what I did there, they flew all the satellites and I bought their carpet. (laughs) (laughs) I bought their chairs, too. Yeah. (laughs) So... They and any anything on the base that isn't done by a military individual is generally outsourced. You know the uh, a lot of the janitorial services, uh, outsourcing the equipment. The equipment isn't made by military people. You know the desks, the cubicles. The so you computers. were the buyer. I was the buyer. Okay, we need a, we need fifty chairs for this conference room. Comes across your desk. You got to go out and find the the best the best price. Exactly. They say it needs to be at least this wide, or this is the model we like, and these are the parts of it that we like. So if you pick a different model, it has to be at least just as wide as this, or made out of this material. So what what one point did you sit there and go, Hey, I could do that. when I get out. I could I could be on the other side. So I never, I never thought I would move to the helping the sellers at that point. I thought I would always be in acquisitions, but um, the the nagging dream of being my own my own business owner would just it would come back every six months. Oh, I should do this, or oh, I should do that. And um, after I got out of the military, I, I ended up working for the government in the Department of Veteran Affairs. And while I was there, I got introduced to different sorts of buyers. And it occurred to me that there was a tremendous amount of people that had no idea what they were doing or they were making it by the skin of their teeth and being saved by Google. Um, and I thought, you know, I could make I could make a tremendous amount of money helping those people. So... Um, I began to make sure that my education focused best on on things that would be able to help them in the future. Um, so that's how I moved from from eventually I moved. Uh, the decision was made to move from acquisitions to uh, the other side of the table when the time was right. So why Rockford? I'm actually from Rockford. I grew up in Rockford. I. Uh, Joined the military and left, and when when the time was right, I came back to Rockford after I got out of the military. Um, 
I have uh, two sons, and it's good for them to be around their family. Yeah. So, um, you know, my mom's around here, my, my brothers and sisters, uh, all my children's cousins. Yeah. So you're kind of a typical Rockford story. We, you know, somebody left, gained all sorts of, sorts of experience, expertise, and then they bring it back to the area because family's here. Exactly. And, and it's a great place to, to, to raise a family. Cool. So when you were um, thinking about starting your own business, because you and I talked a little bit about the market research. What kind of market research did you do that led you to believe, hey, this, this could work here? So one of the nice things about my business is it's nationally viable. Because I'm not centralized, I don't have like a, a home office. It doesn't require working in person, you know, in today's modern world with the with the teleconferencing or cloud services for for digital uh, mediums I can work anywhere and my customer can be anywhere and it won't cause us an issue um, so ultimately unless I'm looking to unless it requires me to to shake hands and make eye contact to ever get any clients um, one place is as good as any so uh, I found that with the with the appropriate investments of time in decentralizing myself, and I would be just doing just fine in Rockford. Um, and I also found out that a lot of other consultants in the same industry also work decentralized. They'll have a, a team of five or six people, and they'll be all across the country. They'll have their meetings over the internet and uh, with headphones on or with uh, with um, speakerphone and they only see each other once or twice a year at conferences hmm. so i didn't think it would be any issue so when you're looking at again the market research what kind of competition do you have so i found that um there's very very little competition for exactly what i do but there's a lot of similar um my biggest form of competition is actually in-house professionals um, once a company becomes gets involved, once they get past the initial parts of being involved in government contracting, it's usually so lucrative, and they make so, if they're any good at it at all, they'll make so much money that they're able to expand. And when they're able to expand and making so much money, they'll be able to handle more contracts, and they can justify the cost of having a contract specialist in house. So anyone who's too large generally doesn't have too much of an interest in what I do because they have an employee themselves that can do that can do it for them. Um, another one of my competition would be, um, that isn't exactly what I do, but it's very close, is uh, the PTEC. The, they're uh, a Procurement Technical Assistance Center. Exactly. Right. And they're, they're, and, they're and great. And we used to have one here in Rockford. We lost it in the last recession. So now you have, anybody here has to drive, I think, to DuPage County. The individuals at the PTEC are a wonderful help. They're a great resource for a small business. Um, their biggest advantage over me is that they're free. Their biggest disadvantage over me is that they will not do it for you. They're not a source of outsourcing. They are not... So they'll educate you, but then you have to go through all the work. Exactly. They'll give you, they'll give you guidance. They'll give you, they'll give you paperwork. They'll show you where to do it, but you, are, you, you will be doing it for yourself at whatever skill level you are able to navigate the government systems. Um, and then the third form of competition is very, very large firms, a lot of which are in Washington, D.C. Um, they're, 
going to operate a lot differently than me due to their size. So the competition they offer is they have a larger infrastructure than I do, but they have a less personal touch and they have um, a different way of operating. And they quite often will cost a significant amount more than I do. So a lot of people when you say government contractor, you think, oh, Boeing, Lockheed Martin. Right or people who make guns and stuff, but Rockford, Illinois is home to a company called Supply Corps, which makes millions of dollars by getting pennies for toilet paper, lots and lots of toilet paper and soft products. It you sounds know. like a lot of toilet paper. <laughs> it is a lot. So, is is that one of the big common misconceptions when you, you say to somebody, "Hey, you know, you ever think about being a government contractor?" Like, well, we make playground equipment. Well, well you know, who would need that? Um, that's a good point. The government will outsource any product, service, or construction that they um, think that they can get private industry to do cheaper. Government employees are expensive. They've got great benefits. Um, they're centralized. They're, they, they do the same job all the time. So moving around or um, adaptability is comes at a great expense for direct government employees. So for items such as, like you said, toilet paper or shoes or desks or computers or paper or anything, they purchase it from the uh, commercial market because it saves the taxpayers money and it, it helps the American economy, the, the idea being to give the tax money back to U.S. companies. Um, so most most uh, businesses, most services or commodities are viable to sell to the to the government in some form or another. And many that aren't for direct are also viable for subcontracting opportunities on larger uh, contracts like Boeing. Boeing only does so much of the work directly itself. Uh, m- the vast majority of the parts they use are constructed by other smaller companies which utilize parts that were, again, constructed by other smaller companies. So it ends up uh, creating like a family tree of companies that end in one product, but that was made by 70, 80, 100 different companies. Most of our big companies in Rockford are in aerospace, or a lot of them are, and they are contractors to contractors to contractors who built stuff for the, the military. It's, it's kind of, once you start like tracing the tree down... It's, it's always interesting to find these little companies that do a contract here, a contract there. Okay, so you've launched. You're out there. What's worked so far? So a lot of the things that have worked are meeting people face-to-face and getting a description of what I do if I'm able to explain it to them. When you say I'm a government contractor or I'm a government contracting specialist or I'm a consultant, that's it's a very vague term, but when you're able to put a face to the conversation and you're able to describe what you do and you're able to adapt your answers to their questions, uh, it, it seems to have helped quite a bit. Uh, I had a lot of success and I've also found out a lot of my um, contemporaries have also had a lot of success at business expos. Uh, business-to-business expos where uh, companies are going to inform other companies of what they do and find out what other companies do and learning about the different things that can help them. Um, Passing my card out and shaking hands at those have 
gotten me quite a few clients. Have you actually been a presenter with a booth, or are you just walking around right now going from table to table? At this point, we're going from table to table. You know, there was a speed booth networking. Cost, booth costs are... Booth know. costs are <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> um, we, do, be, we do booth materials for people. <laughs> we know. <laughs> the, uh, and and the, the, the materials is, yeah, exactly, an additional cost. The table itself can cost between one and three and five thousand dollars and then the expo you go to exactly um and in the future when we have uh more liquid assets to work with in our marketing budget i think i think we'll probably invest in uh, a table um we've actually been invited to be a guest speaker at a upcoming um event i can't necessarily reveal it because it's not in writing yet Uh but it's probably definitely going to happen that'll be nice um and i'm submitting the paperwork to be a speaker on my own as well you know so uh that'll get my name and face in front of a lot of people and the 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 nice things about those classes out of the thousands of people that go um the several hundred that are interested in specifically what you are trying to teach are the ones that are going to show up. So everyone in the room chose to be in the room to hear what you had to say. Right. So they are all probably nearly all of them are potential, you know, prospects. Exactly. What hasn't worked so far? What if you had a crack to do it again, try something different. So one of the things that I can do is data mine government, uh, websites that post information from the Freedom of Information Act. Um, so in marketing, a lot of companies will pay a lot of money to get a list, a call list or an email list or a list of potential clients to pursue. And I can do this. So going into this in my original, the, the very first iteration of my marketing plan, uh, the meat and potatoes of my marketing plan was to get these lists and contact these individuals in two minutes i could have a list of every every company that does business with the government in any arena in a city a state uh a county and then i could email them all in one minute so in two minutes i got a thousand a thousand hits well, uh, once I started researching that, I found out that's something called spam, and I also found out that's very bad. So I said, I'm not going to do this. I'm absolutely not going to do this. This is a terrible idea. I told everyone uh, that I run my ideas past. I'm not going to do this. So about a month in, I thought, you know, maybe maybe I am going to do this. You know, I, I I had a moment of weakness. Right. I, I used the I, – I sent out the spam um, – so so uh, I, I upset Google. Uh-oh. They found me. They shut down my email for a while. They, you know, they, they informed me that a lot of my email on that particular email server would end up going to spam blockers. Yeah. Oh, it was a, it was a terrible mistake. Uh-oh. But I actually got two or three clients out of it. So well, there you go. <laughs> it might have been worth it. Increase it to a million. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know about that, Alex. <laughs> Alex doesn't give the soundest advice here. No, no that's... <laughs> well, that's funny. So you recovered from that, though. Uh, yes, okay. I did. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that spam issue. That was too bad. That they, they, they did that whole thing in the, what, early 2000s or something like that. Yeah, wow. The whole the can spam So then, then it comes down to, okay, so you've got this, this beautiful list. It's just awesome. How do you use it? I mean, you know, what is, you know how do you... Well, you don't email them. Mm-hmm. What'd you do? So I haven't actually figured out the solution to it. I've got a 
inefficient solution that I'm getting ready to to implement. Um, hmm. I've started talking to some people to be just a, a cold caller. Okay. Um, uh, go down the list and call everybody, and when you run out of people on the list, I'll give you another list and then another list. And yeah, um, it's inefficient and not very cost effective, but it will it will hit everyone on every list forever if you've got if you're willing to put enough money into it. Yeah, um, I've been talking to several marketing uh, specialists or um, in small marketing companies, and so far, no one's had. A solution yet, but the first person that comes this, comes up with the solution is probably going to end up with my money. How do you spam without spamming? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm sure we could figure it out. We could figure out an answer to that. Yeah, uh, I, I I recently emailed tackling. a bunch of people, and somebody said, "How'd you get this list?" And I said, "I'm not telling you." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't rocket science, though. I can tell you. So so this is interesting. You Titan Business Consulting. Why'd you choose your name? Yes, you're a Hananiga grad, right? Rockton Hananiga? I, I am, yes. Hananiga. Okay, and, and Jason here is a Boiling Titan, and Hananiga hates Boiling. Yeah, come on. I, I where did you that. come up with Titan? You, you, seem, you seem like a. I, I a graduated boiling. from Boiling. <laughs> I went only two years at Boiling. Give a guy a break. So you're, you're only half a Titan. I, well, I suppose so. <laughs> so the. So there's there's multiple versions that I tell with uh, varying levels of truth to them. Give us the maximum the, lie. The maximum <laughs> lie. Um, I'm kidding. You tell us whatever you want. <laughs> so so with enough truth, <laughs> I've got a I've got a wonderful support network. I've got I've got people who care very much. Uh, about me and love me and uh, I bounce my ideas off them and they sometimes they say Dan that's a great idea and sometimes they say Dan I, I you, you, you're you're an idiot don't don't do that <laughs> and you should have known that better. does sound never, like a good support group yeah, yeah it's you know friends and family yeah. um, old co-workers yeah. so one of the biggest supporters and uh, one of the people that have been uh, there with me for the longest time is my sister and um, my sister and I, for many years, have had a friendly competition. Um, it's not actually a competition. It's absolutely facetious and joking in every manner. But um, we we compete over anything we can think to compete over in a, in a joking manner, like uh, uh, who's got the better job or who's doing better in school or who's treating mom the best or, or whatever, whatever. Who's winning right now? Always me. <laughs> Always me. I don't even know why. <laughs> Absolutely. No, not, not it. Depends on the. It, it's hard to measure because we're on different life paths. But it, 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 in certain categories, she's winning, and okay. in certain categories, I'm winning. She she definitely treats mom better. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. So right. So one of the things in that have arisen out of our 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 joking competition is completely ignoring things that you shouldn't completely ignore mm. so hypothetically your 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 house falls down and and it's terrible and it's devastating and uh one of the forms of encouragement we say is oh well that's that's not a really big problem for you you'll be you'll be just fine you're gonna do just fine this isn't even a thing you're, you're just, it's just a roof what are you what are you even complaining about um so it's summer it's nice out. Ex exactly so so it arose like um the 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 phrase the secret phrase between us was um this isn't going to be a problem for a titan like you um and so when i was trying to figure out a business uh 
the name the the idea of naming naming myself after that conversation with my sister the the titans of business um and going along with the same the same vein nothing's nothing's really going to be a problem this isn't that big of a difficult problem we can solve anything uh any any interruption can be overcome any problem can have a solution mm. as long as you have one of the titans on your side you can't beat a titan okay there was a movie called remember the titans and they did go undefeated i'm just saying i remember that movie <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm sold on that all right i like that we 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 pick apart names it's part of what we do not not in the podcast necessarily, but as as an organization involved in naming companies and sometimes naming really big companies uh, and naming new companies and coming up with their whole you know their brand messaging and stuff. Jason, it's a big deal. Plus, Jason used to like to buy up domains, and it can right? be difficult. Used to. I still buy used domains. To them. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. When you're when you're looking on the Secretary of State, you come up with an idea and oh that's taken. Well, yeah, yeah. maybe a different idea. No, that's taken right. too. Well, let's change every single word of this in every single possible way. Oh, they're all taken. Lovely. <laughs> so it can be difficult to name your company. It sure can. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah we get in the weeds on that sometimes. Um, but I like that story. I wasn't sure. We we didn't know, um, and so we, want, we always want to know. You know, as you as you come into business, everybody's got this different story of how they name their their organization, and I like that one. So, Titan Business Consulting. You're here in Rockford. Uh, you work with what small, mid sized businesses to help them get government contracts. Also, you work for not profit, not for profits. I heard to to get yeah, that's to an, get grants. Right, that's an excellent one. I didn't know about that when when you're talking in one million cups because I've had nonprofits who would say, okay, I want to go to foundations, but the real money is in federal grants. And it's like, how do you, how do you do that? There's nobody in this area that I know that really specializes in that. Yeah. So when I started looking into and talking to different companies, a friend of mine asked me for some help on paperwork and, uh, being a nice guy, I said, uh, anything for you, buddy, I got your back. So he, he gets mad at me when I do that. Exactly, because yeah, I do that too often. So I, <laughs> you do. I though I, it's been a lot. It's been a hard road, man. I've done that, my fair share of that. I just finished seven months of working with the Rock for Peaches for nothing. Oh, I've learned people. to say no. <laughs> wow, better. it was a lot of work. I've, I have learned to say no a lot better. When I had fewer clients and fewer paying work, it was yeah. a whole lot easier to to. To be helpful, the more the more yeah. potential money is sitting in front of me, the more difficult it come becomes to do pro bono work. Totally. So, in doing the research that they asked me to do, um, I found that actually the process of getting a government contract and the process of getting a government grant are about eighty percent the exact same process. So I thought, well, if they're if they're that much the same, the only difference is how you write the. The, the proposal and and um, business writing is one of the services we do so it was a very easy adjustment sideways to include that the um, the thing with grant writing that I'm finding that makes it difficult is a lot of the nonprofits that have no idea how to do grant writing they don't do any grant writing so they don't have any money which means that there's a lot of labors of love going on yeah. oh boy and you're not allowed uh, grant writing is something i know a little bit about you're not allowed to write grants on we're not supposed to write grants on spec 
Exactly. You can't. It's, you it's can't thought work of as unethical. I know a lot of people still do it, but you know, there people who are grant writers trying to build it into an actual profession where okay so if i'm going to give you 10 hours worth of work i want 10 hours of pay regardless whether or not you get the money whereas you have these small nonprofits, they're like well we don't have the budget for that we can't gamble that cash as i the solutions i've come up because i'm recognizing it's an issue and it's an opportunity to help people and help my community the the two ideas i've come up with so far are as i progress forward into being able to hire employees once i have the um the liquid assets to, to justify hiring someone and knowing that I won't have to abandon them a month later because I run out of money. Um, one of the first people I may hire is a, is a, is a grant writer um, because grant writing services are usually a bit more affordable than, than my rates because there's, you know, there's more of them. So it's, it's easier to find them. Um, so then I would be able to offer much lower rates on grant writing, making it a significantly more affordable uh, process, and the second solution I've come up with that I'm I'm still rolling around, and it depends on you know what support I find out there in Rockford. I may put together a uh, workshop or a class for grant writing, so that companies that don't have the that have more time than money can find the instruction they need, so they can begin the process themselves to get themselves to where they can start outsourcing their grant writing program. It's not actually as hard as it as it as it sounds, as long as um, you know you have someone to show you where to look and what to what to see. Other than that, it's just it's just writing, just like anything else. What do you see forward looking into this next year? Where you headed? So the the name of the game this year is is uh, getting clients, getting more reliable income. So that the business become reaches its break-even point as fast as possible. Um, as soon as I reach the point where I am fully utili- utilizing my time to the appropriate amount of billable hours, I intend to bring on uh, a few people onto my team. I have interest. I, I'm, I'm already discussing with a, an accountant to help for, you know, book bookkeeping, taxes, um, and ways to make their programs more affordable through managerial uh, accounting. Um, there's a few ideas I have for uh, part-time employees. There's a couple of things that we do only to a small extent that it might be nice to have the help for that. Um, and uh, ultimately, uh, the goal is to to grow to the point where I'm fully uh, utilizing my time, and then bring on people uh, to help as 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 at the appropriate uh, rate. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us on the What Works podcast. Also, uh, again, people can catch your One Million Cups presentation, and then what? How can they get in contact with you directly if they're interested in government contracting or how you're growing your business, uh, or maybe even grant writing? So. The first place I would go is is our website is thebusinesstitans with an s dot com. Um, it has a little bit of a description of any of the services that we do. It's got our contact information. It's got um, some uh, information packets on the process or what it might cost or or how long certain things take. So it's a great source of information. We're on Facebook, which um, 
you can get you can get uh you can get in touch with us through Facebook and I post any um, public speaking events or any classes that we're involved in or places where you can come to get the information um, for free which is always which is always uh, very desirable um, I'm on LinkedIn and um, our my email is uh, daniel.kugler at thebusinessdittons.com awesome Dan thanks for joining and that, us and that's working now right you got it back right? absolutely <laughs> <laughs>